right, welcome on into the show. My name is Denny Gallagher. He is the Snare Campaign Provocateur. Pretty soon you'll be calling him Tim the Toolman Taylor. He's Benny Horowitz. What's up, dude? That's right. I'm on my way. <laughs> Guess what I'm buying today? What are you buying? Maybe tomorrow now, since oh, we're doing a late episode. A light fixture. Big boy's getting a chainsaw. Oh, look at this. You are officially a man. <laughs> I know. You know what I like the most about it is that, you know... It's not like midlife crisis male compensation. <laughs> I actually need it. Oh, that's good. This is utilitarian. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> we were just talking about something we should we should bring up, yeah. Benny, which is when I was a kid in New Jersey, Quick Check was king. Yeah. Right? Bouncing Souls have a song about it. You know, I survived on the feast after four for years. <laughs> Give me after four o'clock. Any 12-inch sub was three ninety nine. Yeah. Come on. That was two meals for four bucks <laughs> all the time. Quick check subs. They loaded on the cheese. It was great. And then I took like a 10-year break. Oh. I toured. And I like opened my eyes and it was like, wait, why is Wawa king of New Jersey all yeah. of a sudden? I thought this was some Philly shit. <laughs> and I fought against it for years. I was like, no, quick check's better. Quick check's better. And I've had a couple experiences recently where I think I finally have to have to admit to the fellow Jersey brethren out there, Wawa is better than Quick Check. Well, okay. Well, see, you had me going here. You had me agreeing with you, and then you pulled the rug, and then you and then you pulled the rug out at the last minute. So here's the thing: if you want better ingredients, right? Which I feel like you know you probably should for your life. Sure. Wawa's better. I mean, tomato relish, like like all of this great stuff. I'm fucking stuck on this relish, man. I had it like a couple weeks ago, and I'm like obsessed with it. Quick check, though, it's like you know what you're getting, and I've gotten a, a bit healthier. This is one of my big conundrums in life. I'm, Why does Quick Check need to be healthy? Why even bother? I mean, okay, this is getting into one of my big conundrums in life. Okay, what there, is it? There Lay are, it out for me. There I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> let you know what it is. I'll solve it right now. There are few things I love more in this life than going into a convenience store and stocking up on snacks before you hit the road, okay? Okay, yeah. But I've found recently, and maybe it was a little health-induced, that that's not the exactly the best thing if you want to live a long time. So oh. now I'm going into the, the quick check. Like last time I was going into the quick check, and I'm reading the labels, and I'm finding there's nothing I can eat in here anymore. No. Like not no. even like, uh, like Skinny Pop, like Cholesterol City. Oh, it's over. It's over for me. Even a bag of nuts. No, it's covered over. in salt, covered in this. Yeah, there's that. And and you're not trying to eat like they always have those two baskets out front with some weird waxy apples and yeah. stuff. And you're like, eh, I don't think those are safe. I shouldn't be buying produce here. I don't think that's good. No, you're you're better off getting a sub. Yeah. Like at that's least like doing. there's lettuce. At least yeah. there's tomato. At least there's some variation of a fresh ingredient. But if you're going straight bags. Yeah, that's no good for you. Plus, they have spinach now. You can get spinach on your sub. You can get a whole wheat like yeah. sub. Oh, you can get garlic aioli uh, on it. It's got it got crazy. I'm, you got to talk to Ian Perkins, <laughs> who used to tour with Gaslight Anthem, was famous. Would famously come out of every one of these places with a snack bag. Oh, and he would spend like twenty bucks <laughs> on just all sorts of stuff and be like, bro, 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 come on, get in my snack bag, get in my snack bag. 
and he'd basically make everybody else. He was like Santa. He liked he liked sharing sharing the love. You know, he wanted to eat it himself. But for Ian, it's not fun unless he's sharing it. You know, so he'd be all over you. But come on, come on, come on, come on. Eat this Reese's. Eat this Reese's. <laughs> I gotta know. Terrible, terrible. From your history of touring, now I've only seen like you know. American style convenience stores as like truck stops in like other countries. Sure. Are they more common and are, are they more off the beaten path? Because in this country, you know, you go anywhere and for our foreign listeners, it's like New Jersey is pretty much like clerks. I'm just gonna say it. It pretty much yeah. is. You just walk in, you get the whole whole situation. It's way less common. Yeah. And this idea that you like walking into one that's so all encompassing, <laughs> like, oh, I can get hot food, subs, yeah. lottery cigarettes books like anything you know what i mean it's like a little mini supermarket that is only really that only really exists on the highway in other countries like it only really exists at like truck stops and stuff and in germany Mm, you gotta pay 50 euro cents just to take a piss at one of those at the old santa (laughs) fair so i I know it too well too well and i've never (laughs) been able to jump them i can't do it i just feel too bad but it's the trade-off. They're like the cleanest rest area bathrooms you could ever get yeah. because your money is actually going to keeping them clean. <laughs> but no, I mean, the truck stop ones are fairly similar. The only difference is the fare, yeah. you know, like instead of uh, subs, they'll have like, you know, giants, you know, fucking brats on a little piece <laughs> of bread or, uh, you know, cheese and ham covered croissant or like, yeah. you know, so like their version of like junky snack food maybe a schnitzel or something. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's, it's way different there. Like uh, the whole convenience store yeah. model is, is so typically American. Love like it. people over there, they, they go and get what they're going to make for dinner and then they make it. And then that's it. Oh, you don't stock like a yeah. pantry filled <laughs> fucking cheeses, you know, or whatever we do. Like it's just a totally different, different lifestyle. Hey. They wouldn't even be able to, fit our lifestyle into their apartment that's true everything here is just big we just we're bigger yeah. and we're more yeah we just use way more than they do they're, they're missing out on the flaming hot cheetos but that's okay we'll, we'll keep those <laughs> they have some weird stuff especially <laughs> you go to like the uk and scotland oh, yeah. i mean they like in scotland you can't they deep fry everything i love it there's nothing that's not deep fried i can't eat it but so, i love it yeah <laughs> That actually, so this was, this is a runner up for my dollar slice take. I'm pretty sure Jeff Bezos walked into a quick check and was like, you know what? Amazon. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But that's on my, oh man. On this week's dollar, uh, dollar slice take, I challenge the alphabet. That's coming up <laughs> in just a little bit. Uh, but first, Benny, some uh, happy trails over the weekend. I don't, I can't believe we're transitioning. This is so disrespectful. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, Supreme Court Justice, Madam Justice, if you will, passed away, leading to a lot of speculation about the future. But I don't want to get into the politics of all of this, the rights, the wrongs. Let's just remember the life of a great American woman right here. I'm into it. I mean, I would be a, a remiss in, in starting to talk about like the nuances of this woman's life. Um, I mean, until she was Supreme Court Justice, I don't know if I knew who she was and uh, essentially a lot of people that I respect tell me that I should respect her. Um, <laughs> and that's really like, as far as like the information on her life, I know 
that's pretty much like where I stop and I'd be remiss in saying much more, but I think it leads to like some huge, huge reflections on a lot of things, uh, where things were at in this country when she began and where they were when she finished, I think is something that I hope she feel a sense of a felt a sense of accomplishment for and, and was able to look back on her life with a lot of, um, uh, a lot of respect for what she had done in the past and where she left it for other people. I saw an image this morning of a little girl in like a wonder woman outfit holding a flower at her service. And, uh, you know, I think the idea of seeing something that you want to be is, is an incredibly powerful tool. Yeah. It's not just, um, it's not just show, you know, when you see some version of yourself in a place that you want to be getting there seems a lot more tangible. So I think the road she paved is, is highly important. And, um, I hope that the generations that follow will actually listen to a fucking word of it. You know? Yeah. Perhaps the greatest person to ever come out of Rutgers university outside of Benny Horowitz. No, um, right. but yeah, so yeah, she, she taught there for a very long time. Honestly, Benny, as you know, you spend more time at Rutgers than I have. Should we just rename Rutgers Ginsburg University? I mean, I got to find out what campus she went to, but there is a lot of room in that town for a statue. Let me yeah. tell you. Well, well, she's getting one in Brooklyn, her hometown. And I mean, you can't any of the opportunities, you know, Title Nine. none of this stuff happens without her and uh the the fame the lawsuit that the movie the basis of sex was based off of mm -hmm. and just being a pioneer in this in entire movement i mean being one of in the early stages of women getting admitted to harvard and then graduating eventually from columbia not being able to find a job because of you know sexism and stuff like that plowing the way becoming the supreme court judge i mean it's just it's just an incredible story it's one of those like american spirit you know, persevering and leaving your mark. And now the part is protecting this, protecting the Supreme Court and protecting everything going forward. But yeah, well, we're not CNN. We yeah, can't get into exactly. that. Yeah. Uh, the one the one thing I uh, quote from her that I, I quite liked that I heard in the last week was uh, someone talking about, you know, how many female Supreme Court justices would be like enough for you. And she's like, I don't know, seven. <laughs> you know, and and just this idea that like, you know, conceptually, if there's ever been an all male Supreme Court that we've never blinked an eye out, yeah. why can't it be seven? And why shouldn't it be yeah. seven? You know, and with I would the way we're right going, now. it probably should be seven. <laughs> <laughs> I'm up for it. Now, here's the big question. Yeah. If you're making this this movie tomorrow, oh, uh -huh. the Ruth Gator Binsberg movie, are you who are you casting as as young and who are you casting as old? Okay. Well, I mean, the the woman that played her in A Basis of Sex did a very great job. Felicity Jones, I think, is her name. So This is your casting, Denny. Right. Casting. I know, I know, but like, hey, she she did a honestly, it's hard not to cast Kate McKinnon. I know she's like done like like the like the jokey <laughs> yeah, version. Play, I bet she could play Ginsburg. Yeah. Like she looks yeah. like her, you know, like the older yeah. version. And heck, she could probably, you know, play the younger version, too. So I got to go with Kate McCann here. How about you? Okay. Well, I like that for a younger one. I don't know why I popped in my head. I know the height thing would be an issue. 
but Tom Cruise is proof that you can be fooled with height. I kind of, Marissa Tomei would be angry at me for saying it, but the, I could see like you aging Marissa Tomei just a little bit, maybe keeping her seated so it looks like she's short. Yeah. I think she could do it. I like it. I like it. Yeah. A little like like a callback to my cousin Vinny, which I mean, if, if you're making a biopic, I mean, hey, I get it. I get it. <laughs> I can rock with that. Well, the pod may have been a couple days late this week. Our apologies. And, you know, because it's a little later in the week, it's a little more closer to Thirsty Thursday than it is uh, Get Tight Tuesday. It's time for this day in music history. I don't know any of the things you just <laughs> I said. I don't know what I said either, but <laughs> hey, here we are. All right, Benny, what do you got? Well, on this day in 1965, back to 65 again, mm-hmm. In all places, Denmark. Speaking of Europe, things boiled over in the band The Who. Oh. Now, uh, Keith Moon, I don't know if you know this, he had a little bit of a problem with alcohol and pills. Oh, you don't see And that. he was a little wild. This was kind of his... And, you know, I always heard the stories when I was younger, but I think I really learned about Keith Moon being wild when Gaslight decided to be part of a who cover uh concert and you know about 20 bands had signed up for this thing and every and all and they all chose songs already and we were like did anyone choose bob o'reilly and they're like no we're like okay i guess we'll take the best one i don't know people are nuts so we took the song and when i'm when i'm uh doing research to uh, to learn the song, I found out quickly that every live version of the song is so much different than the original version. <laughs> and not only that, most live versions are very different from each other. Yeah. So he, you know, being a bombastic, great, speedy, hard-hitting drummer, he was. And I think Keith Moon was great. But he was a fucking mess. Okay? <laughs> and he fucked up all the time. Like, you can hear it all over the recordings. I ended up finding one great live version that I based my cover off of. So I didn't even base it on a, on a recorded version. So he was playing terribly in those days. He had some wild antics. Pete Townsend was smashing his guitar every night. He had an ego. He was kind of upstaging Roger Daltrey. And Roger Daltrey was feeling put to the side. And on this day in 1965, things came to a head in Denmark. Daltrey found Keith Moon's stash, his pill stash, and flushed it down the toilet. As you can imagine, Keith Moon came back with quite a bit of fury, anger. Roger Daltrey socked back and knocked him the fuck out. Apparently really messed him up, where it was a good hit, almost broke his nose, took five people to pull Roger Daltrey off. It was a big deal. Now, the remaining uh, members of The Who... Daltrey's got a great quote in this that yeah, I have to yeah, say. Yeah. You flush it down the toilet. This is, and I quote from Roger Daltrey, it took about five people to hold me off him. It wasn't just because I hated him. It was because I loved the band so much and thought it was being destroyed by those pills. So he made it seem like a noble cause. I yeah. don't know if it was or not. After he decked Keith Moon, the remaining members who also liked pills, including John Entwistle, <laughs> decided to kick Roger Daltrey out of the who. Never knew this happened. 
he was out of the band for one week and management convinced them that in order to keep the trajectory of the band going and to ride the success of my generation, that they were going to have to let Daltrey back in. Hmm. So they let him back in and apparently the punch worked because when he came back in, Keith Moon either hid or was much more responsible about his antics around Daltrey. And apparently things grew up a little. So Roger Daltrey might've punched his way to the who having a more legitimate career than, than they ever would have had. Wow. All right, Benny. Well, my, this day in music history, uh, there may not be violence, but there may be some punches and, you know, lawsuits actually here. Uh-oh. All right. So on this day in 1970, the first episode of the Partridge family was shown on us TV featuring okay. Shirley Jones, David Cassidy, Susan day. Sure. And, sure. uh, Oh man. Oh, Danny Bonaducci. God, oh, my there goodness. How could I get that? Old Bonaduce. That's right. But did you know that this show was loosely based on a family pop pop music band called the Cowsills? The Cowsills. The Cowsills. Pretty good name for a band. Not bad. Wow, the Cowsills are a band from Newport, Rhode Island with six siblings. How about that? But shortly after the scripted series ended, scriptwriter Roberta Tatum launched a lawsuit against uh, production company Screen Gems concerning the creation of the show. Tatum claimed that she had submitted a similar premise to Screen Gems prior to the 1970s called Baker's Half Dozen, which would later be spun off into the Steve Martin movie uh, Cheaper by the Dozen. Fun fact there. Uh, the matter was resolved out of court which with Tatum receiving... 150k from screen gems so like with every great creation in music cinema there normally ends up being some sort of lawsuit (laughs) that's right (laughs) and somebody who didn't deserve it made money exactly exactly welcome to the music business Uh, (laughs) so they should just give you like a sheet when you get into it (laughs) you know it's funny that happened to me and i didn't listen oh really you got like a like rookie symposium Kind of. So it turned out my father and my uncle Alan, who's not actually my uncle, but he's like my father's old best friend. Right. They went to school in the Bronx with uh, Bobby Columbia, Blood, Sweat and Tears. So he was in Blood, Sweat and Tears. And then he went on to like a very successful uh, career in the music industry. Mm. Um, Like he was a label owner, consultant, like a number of things. So my father and uncle thought it would be a good idea when I started playing in bands and doing shows that I meet this guy and that we just have like a sit down. Now that I know more about the music industry, I, I kind of realized what I was walking into a, like a buzzsaw. I thought I was walking into like an opportunity, you know? Yeah. And the guy, I went with a friend just cause I felt so uncomfortable, met him in a hotel room in New York city at a nice hotel too. Ooh. And basically this guy for like an hour just, was like, this is every reason why you shouldn't get into the music industry. (laughs) Every reason why it doesn't work. Every reason why it's impossible to be successful. I even, I'll always remember he used an analogy of a, uh, like a, uh, a homemade whipped cream thing, like at a bakery, you know, but they apply. And he's like, he's like, here's everyone. And here's like six people at the bottom deciding who they want to let through. (laughs) And I'm like, holy shit, this is scary. Subsequently, I still did everything that I was supposed to yeah. do, lost money for like a decade, didn't really <laughs> listen to a word he said. But 
it was a pretty interesting experience. I got oh. my pants brought down by the industry really early on. Oh, I mean, I voluntarily did the same thing with the sports media industry. I went to this sports broadcasting camp at, at, as a kid, which is great. You know, I networked, did a whole thing. But there's nothing like being, like, a preteen and getting your pants brought down by Sal Palantonio. To, ah. Like, bragging about how much money he makes and how everybody should avoid the business. Yeah, uh, so fucking Sal Pal. Sal Pal got you, huh? Sal Pal just, like, preteen me, just taking the pants yeah. down and be like, I make a lot of money and you're going to make none. So, oof, it's pretty sage advice. Rough, Sal Pal. I hope you listen to this. Why don't you email us? Oh, come on the tune-up, you coward. What's he doing now? Yeah. He's not doing much. Where's your precious football now, Sal Pal? On this podcast, non-existent. All right, Benny. Nobody's safe here, Denny. This is the tune-up. I got, listen, you know me. I got no bones in this sport industry. I'll yeah. start a fight with anyone. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Hey, Benny, for the past couple weeks, we've been telling you about the newest band across our radar and their guardrail from Chicago. They're Illinois' finest, and their new EP, Yikes, comes out today. That's right, September 25th on Open Your Ears Records. They've got catchy melodies and witty hooks. Guardrail brings their own style of diet punk right to your stereo. They're not quite bad religion, but they're also not some 41. Here's a clip of their new single, Till We're Dead. I've been playing that one on my fall playlist, whether you're going to a cidery, pumpkin picking, it is the perfect song for that long drive. If you like what you hear, you can go on over to oyerex.com. That's O-Y-E-R-E-C-S.com to pick up your copy. Guardrail, get the vinyl. Support hard copy music. Let's get this. Guardrail, yikes, out today, September 25th on Open Your Ears Records. Go grab it. All right, we've reached about the halfway point of the show already. Uh, it's time for a dollar slice take. All right, so I was thinking about this, right? Yeah. There is a, I think that the alphabet has one too many letters. I think about my okay. dollar slice take for this week is that I don't think that the letter Z is a letter. I think it's just a sound. Meaning, like, when are the most common times that you see Zs in a cartoon when someone's sleeping or, you know, referred to the, the sound of a bee going through the air? Yes, there okay. may be a name like Zachary. Yes, you know, maybe the Greek language and uh, Hebrew may need a little bit more Zs. But for English, I think Z is less a letter and more of a sound. What do you think? Well... I mean, you're barking up an interesting tree because I'm not going to disclose what it is, but one of my children's names starts with a Z. Uh, it's, yeah. <laughs> and is so it a right sound there, or is it a letter? <laughs> and then I go automatically. So, you know, there used to be a game you would play in the van where you have to come up with words. And Z, is, Z and X are always the killers. They're yeah. the ones who always take everybody out. I think the word Zen is actually not even an English word. It's mm. just probably been adopted by us. Yeah. So I like your concept. <laughs> I just wish I had heard it 
before I name my children, <laughs> so I wouldn't have this problem. Because uh, if, if you go through, I'm going to have to call them something else. Yeah, it's applicable. Listen, as long as it's not like Zach, Z-A-K, like Zachary's one thing, but like just Ack, anything else you're good. Ackery, you know, you put different things up. By the way, I think this is what made me think of this. So uh, this is going way beyond your... Your death, but apparently, uh, Gigi Hadid and uh, Zayn Malik, I believe, the kid from One Direction, they had a baby. Okay. They named this kid Zoas, like okay. Lois with a Z. So, so you're just trying to fuck them up. So that's when I was like, like we're listen. literally on a Zoom meeting, dude. <laughs> um, I mean, um is a much better name than Zoom. I'm telling you, I don't know. It probably oh, trades better on Wall Street. This is a dollar slice. This is a dollar slice. <laughs> what do you got? All right, I just thought of a great one. Listen, <laughs> so you know those Roombas, right? Yeah. Those little machines that, that clean the floor of your house? Yeah. How about record labels get hooked up with the Roomba manufacturer? And just like your iPhone came with a U2 record, some record that wasn't picked up by a label is sold to Roomba and your Roomba comes pre-programmed with this one album on it. <laughs> to get it, it gets it gets an artist a little bit of money, yeah. you know, from a Roomba sale, and uh, and you're getting music out in different ways. I'm sure a Roomba. I, I'm thinking of it because of DJ Roomba from Parks and Recreation. <laughs> um, you know, the Roomba that plays music. So I think, yeah, you take. I, have you ever heard of uh, Roadside Records? Yeah, yeah. It's not a real record label. Right. Um, roadside Records. I, I, I think we is, talked about it on this podcast. We right? did. Yeah, it's yeah. when you submit your demo to a label, the label clearly never uses it or never hears it, and they put it on Roadside Records. Right. It's like when you give your demo to a band on tour, it winds <laughs> up in Roadside Records. Okay. Yeah. This is like a home for Roadside Records. Oh. You know, like all of these discarded demos could just be programmed into somebody's Roomba. I love it. I love it. I mean, because, well, like, you know, the Roomba stock has been failing. I, I, I think oh, that this it? may be a good time to reinvent the brand. Yeah, there's other people in that marketplace. I think this is exactly what Roomba needs. I thought about it. They're very expensive. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, Benny, second half of the podcast, which means we get to why I, I honestly, I hope this is why people tune into the show for our hard-hitting basketball takes, but I know it's probably not. It's time to talk some basketball. And last night in the association, the Miami Heat took care of business. 112-109 over the Boston Celtics. Three games to one lead. And Tyler Hero, the pride of Greenfield, Wisconsin. Kentucky almost alum. He's going to graduate in a couple years. It'll be fine. Drops 37 points. The second most by someone... Under the age of 21, since Magic Johnson dropped 42 in 1980. Incredible stat line there. Just took over the game last night. Uh, Gets the heat up 3-1 in the series. And I think it's just another example of how, you know, there's two ways to run your basketball organization. And the culture that Pat Riley and the Heat organization have set up it's just one where, yeah, you don't need to be banking on the superstars. It's nice It's nice if you get them, like LeBron James and all that stuff, but you're building a culture of excellence. Even if some years you don't have the talent to support that record, you're still getting in there each and every day. So, Benny, you watched the game last night as well. 
What do you think of this Heat series and uh, Tyler Hero, future all-star? I mean, there's a lot to unpack in what you just said. Yeah. I mean, as far as Heat culture goes, I think it's 19 of the last 25 years they've been in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And they're a team that's learned and an organization that's learned how to never reboot. Right. You know, they never tank. They never go all the way down. And they always manage to, to bring these pieces in. I would contest that, you know, Jimmy Butler is a star. Bam Adebayo is a potential soon-to-be star. And, you know, the thing that you're seeing is these these ancillary pieces are always the ones that 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 win close series, right? Mm-hmm. So going into last night's game, or I think at the end of last night's game, the cumulative score for the entire series was 441 to 441. Yeah. I mean, that's a bounce here, a foul here. These are two really evenly matched teams. And for all the X-Factor stuff that Gordon Hayward brought to the game last night, which was substantial, yeah, Tyler Harrell matched all of it yeah and and more and it was it was that thing so <laughs> i know i know it's an old trope right I and but wind horse was talking about it today and i didn't know about this the old trope that you can judge a guy's confidence by what his girlfriend or boyfriend looks like right <laughs> now apparently tyler hero in the last three months in the bubble started macking it to an instagram model with seven million followers and somehow, within the time of the bubble, got close enough with her that she's in the bubble. Okay? <laughs> We're going to have to stop this podcast. <laughs> so, I'm just saying, like, you know, take it all aside. This kid's got, he's got, he's got balls of steel, okay? <laughs> and you can see it on the court when he's doing interviews. He's just this, like, he's got something. He's got that moxie. So, I mean everybody's talking about Tyler Hero today. I'm sure he could have a dud game. But, I mean, to think that this guy was in high school two years ago. Yeah. High school, two years ago, and he just put 37 up on the Celtics in a game four. You know, the the only question mark I would have is, like, how does a kid like this actually handle it if a crowd is there? Yeah. You know, does he fold or does he even get better? I don't know. You know, that's a what we talked about weeks ago at this point is like the bubble wild card. You know what I mean? That's thrown into everybody. But I mean, what could you say more about this kid and the heat's ability to find people like this at, uh, at the 13th pick, you know, they're always having these middle of the road drafts, these Duncan Robinson's and guy like this, they pull in like all of a sudden Jock Crowder is a starter. You know, there's something about the system and and this mix with Jimmy Butler, who is just like the perfect ambassador for that system, um, I thought Boston was going to really nick nick a little bit more of these games away. And then Miami just has that thing. They got that one shot, one foul potential. They get into that zone, and you just can't break it. And it's it's really fascinating to watch. I'm going to give everybody a betting pro tip here. All right, if there's a team and they have multiple Marquette guys on them, just bet on them. <laughs> Just, you know, it's just it's just a good idea, just a good winning culture. And then if you add in a guy like Tyler Hero, who not only from Wisconsin, told the University of Wisconsin, nah, I'm good. I'm going to Kentucky. I'm going to be a pro basketball player. You combine that on a team with Marquette guys, this team's going to the moon. I mean, yeah, and, 
and and like you said, there's, you know, I'm watching Boston play in these situations, and, you know, they get to a certain point of their offense when it's just give Tatum the ball. Yeah. And all the ancillary pieces of the of the system are backing away. Your Kemba Walker is backing away. Jalen Brown's backing away. These are supposed to be your guys. Yeah. And nothing has changed in the way that he do business. You know, there was just something about this bubble that was just made for this team. Yeah. And I mean, what are they now? Are they eleven and two in the bubble? Like yeah. who's to say this is gonna stop? I mean, I'm at the point of going, Oh, this is fascinating, just being like, yo. Miami's here. Yeah. They're here way quicker than I thought they'd be. A couple of the guys in this team are different than what I thought they'd be. I don't think I'm the only one who's who's sitting there. Yeah. But uh, I'm no longer in the in the mind space of doubting this team at all. They're here. They're legit. They got the players. They got the coach. They got the youth. They got the mix of experience. It's a it's a real juggernaut. I don't think. I don't think Bron Bron wants to see these guys. I'm trying not to dance too hard uh, after after we made our picks last week because I know the harder you dance on one pick, the more it's going to bite you in the butt later on. So, you know, you try to be 10-2, keep hands on the yeah, steering and, wheel. And I'm, I'm pretty sure we haven't discussed you taking the Clippers <laughs> all the way through the finals. So if you want to start talking about picks... My Lakers are still in it. I love uh, it. And and you were out last round. Yeah. yeah. So, hey, man. Well, That's the reason why I'm literally on my couch right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the interesting thing about Boston, right? So top to bottom, their starting five, I believe, is more talented than the Miami Heat. Sure. So when when a lesser team can come together... That's all about coaching. And for a while there, it was, oh, Brad Stevens, best coach in the NBA, out-of-bounds play whisperer, yada, yada, yada. And the fact that Spo was not in this conversation, it's probably because, here's honestly why. When Miami's good, you hear all of the rumblings about heat culture, and it gets annoying. I don't think people mm. want to anoint a culture that, A, has been around, you know, kind of like, like, like the Spurs, and then when, when heat Twitter... All of you know, your Lebetard, your Sedanos get on their soapbox about how great everything is down there. It gets annoying. So people will easily go to the hated Celtics in, in that whole thing. But no, I mean, I think this year, the definition of how good a coach is, how can you coach when the world is literally suffocating in on you as it is in this bubble? You're managing the guys on and off the court. I'm just so impressed with the job that Spo has done. Not only that, you know, your Tyler Heroes, your Duncan Robinsons, in the time that they had off the other teams, why did your young players not take the jump like Tyler Hero and Duncan right. Robinson did? They've, these guys have already had an offseason, and they haven't even finished their rookie year yet. So unbelievable this, this, what's happening. And that's that's where you got to start giving the leadership of the team right. credit. You know, Spo deserves credit for the way he put it together. And then... Jimmy Butler deserves credit yeah. because from every story you hear coming out of Miami, it was Butler there in the offseason workouts with Tyler Hero, with Duncan Robinson. Apparently he got wind that the kids were doing a, a 6 a.m. workout in the gym and he decided to show up at five. Yeah. Just be like, yo, I'm with you. <laughs> there's not a lot of stars like that. And there's no. not a lot of leaders on teams that are going to lead like that. Yeah. And, and then at the very least that puts every player in a position to be like, if I'm not up to this standard, I'm below this standard. Yeah. And and you got to set that standard. You know, another interesting thing I think this does is, you know, up until uh, 
you know, about a month ago, none of us were talking about a Boston Miami conference final. Yeah. Maybe Boston. Yeah. You know, some people had them through, but almost everyone still had Milwaukee through. Now, what does this do next year for the teams that have to go for it? Yeah. Milwaukee, who has to go mm-hmm. for it next season. Brooklyn, who has to go for it next season, is now looking at two really, really legitimate threats in that conference with a packed starting five, all youth, uh, superstars, great coaches, teams that are gelling at the right time and are only expected to be better next season. Mm -hmm. And I think once you start seeing the Paul George experiment crumble in in L.A. and, you know, LeBron go into year 37 and stuff like that, Mm. I think uh, the East is primed to become the dominant conference again. I hope so. Um, and it's, in a while, yeah, yeah. It's funny that you brought up this because I want to get into some, uh, I guess, off-season news and notes. There's been all sorts of speculation. We'll get to the Paul George thing in just a little bit uh, because that all of a sudden just turned into a very interesting situation about uh, his teammates not believing that he he's a good leader and he may be out in Los down. Angeles after one year. I mean, this podcast has lasted longer than Paul George's tenure with the Clippers. Um, but the thing I want to get to, there's been some coaching news this week. The Chicago Bulls, Tim Baltz's team, named Billy Donovan their next head coach. I think this is a great hire. Rick Pitino was on great the radio hire. with us this past week, and he said of all the assistants he's ever had, he's been able to poke holes in all of them except Billy Donovan. Donovan had a stellar tenure with the Oklahoma City Thunder, including this past year where they way overperformed um, I kind of like this move. You know, Donovan is a guy who does well developing talent. That's been his calling card when he was at Florida, and especially this year. I mean, you, you saw it with all of the young guys and putting that whole team together. So Donovan is a good developmental coach. I think that's why this is going to work uh, because for too long, you know, there's been there's a ton of talent on this Bulls team. I mean, you have outside of Levine and Markin and uh, Colby White. I mean, there's so there's a lot to work with here. Uh, to get Chicago back. What do you make of this hiring, Benny? Yeah, I think it's great. Yeah, I think it's smart, uh, and it's kind of a no-lose situation for the Bulls organization. Mm. I mean, you know, obviously that Jim Boylan experiment was strange. Yeah, I didn't really know what they were doing with it. But, you know, if there's anything the NBA has taught you over the years is that a guy like that can't come in with that kind of attitude if you don't know anything about player relationships or if you don't have a ring in your past. Exactly. Or a conference finals in your past yeah. or something that these guys can look to. But when you come in like a like a hammer like that on these kids, I mean, it's just a different age, man. Yeah. These are millennials. Yeah. You can't do this shit. You know, they're not ready to just be beaten into the ground for no reason. Right. You know, it better be coming from somewhere. Yeah. And that's where Donovan, you know, brings his moxie. He's coached superstars. He's... You know, you know, obviously never made it to the promised land, but been been damn close. Yeah. And also been able to gel together big personalities. Mm. You know, I mean, he even got uh, Chris Ball to play play ball for a year and yeah. play for him for a year, which is no small feat. So I think that's sort of a um, a big win. And the thing I like for him is you have a bunch of guys on this team that have a world of talent that haven't lived up to it yet. Right. You know, Zach Levine is not at his ceiling. You know, he's a great offensive player, but he has 
all this work to do as a playmaker and a defender. Uh, Markkanen, all this talent, you know, all this size and that shooting, but he does not have a complete game, and there's a lot of holes. Uh, Wendell Carter looks like a really interesting player, especially if you can pair him with Markkanen, maybe have an inside-out thing, even though double trees is not exactly uh, popular in the NBA these days. <laughs> but who knows how that works. And then, yeah, a lot of a lot of interesting pieces and, and young talent like Colby White coming off the bench. So I think uh, this is like a win-win, no-brainer kind of situation, and I could see it going pretty well. All you got to say, Billy Donovan, get that long-term contract because this is a project in Chicago. Now, kind of flipping gears a little bit, a little speculation, little hot gas from the NBA coaching circuit. The Philadelphia 76ers, very interested in getting Mike D'Antoni as their head coach and part of the reason and I'm I wish I was making this up apparently the brass believes that if they bring in Mike D'Antoni that they could sign James Harden in two years which I mean if any fan base in the league is not going to get behind a oh give us two years it's the process it's the Philadelphia 76ers it doesn't make any sense (laughs) in any capacity you know like the looking ahead to Harden thing makes zero sense for a number of reasons. If it's a bad situation for him to go to, he is not going because of a coach he likes. That's just not how it works. We don't know what he's going to look like in two years. We don't know what Joel Embiid's going to look like in two years. We don't know what Ben Simmons is going to look like or be there in two years. I mean, more than likely in two years in Philadelphia, it's going to be one of those guys – and the third year of these Tobias Harris, Al Horford contracts yeah. that they can't get out of. They just have to restart the process if this doesn't work this year. Yeah. So I think that's nuts. And it's also nuts for the idea, and I think I said it on this show like a week or two ago, is that could you give Mike D'Antoni a worse team? Right. <laughs> could you? Like literally, your, your marquee superstar won't shoot past a certain point. Mike D'Antoni doesn't know how to run anything but run and gun. You're going to give him Al Horford? <laughs> give him fucking Tobias Harris? Come on. Like, it's just, it, it, there's nothing about this that makes sense. Uh, I think even D'Antoni would be remiss to take this job. He'd be better off uh, going with Jeff Van Gundy and just talking for a year and taking <laughs> something next year because this is just a bad, bad, bad situation. I'm, I'm like four <laughs> thumbs down on this from each side. All right, last thing from us today. As we're recording this, we are getting ready for Lakers, Nuggets, Game 4, a big game in either in, in this series. It can really go either way, either Bron, AD, step up, or I'll tell you what, not enough people are talking about how well Denver has played in this series. Correct. I really think it's a uh, Jamal Murray coming of age. I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, we've talked a lot about people that have benefited from this bubble. Young guys in this bubble have just taken advantage because, you know, right. when all you've got in your life is basketball and focusing <laughs> on your game makes it kind of easy to get a lot better. Jamal Murray is having himself a day. So by the time we record this next podcast, okay, who is going to be through to the NBA Finals, Lakers or the Nuggets? Well, one thing I want to talk about before we get into this yeah, again yeah. is another brick onto my tour bubble theory, right? <laughs> Which is teams that like each other are doing well here. Yeah. And that's the difference of the bubble. 
is you take 12 guys who have to be with each other every day in a normal situation and they get to go home. Yeah. They get in their cars, they go to their beautiful palatial <laughs> estates, wherever the fuck they live, families for some of them, the whole deal, and then they come back to work. These guys are on top of each other for the last two months. If Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic aren't friends, this isn't working. Yeah. If Jimmy Butler is not this funny leader who's making French press for people and doing that kind of shit, it's not working. And I think those two teams in particular have been the biggest highlight of my tour theory that teams who like each other are excelling in the bubble. Yeah. Um, LeBron, for all the knocks that people have on LeBron, he runs a pretty good ship when it comes to that. Mm. You know what I mean? Everybody's usually on board with LeBron when you're on his team. He's a great leader in that way. Um, you know, if you go on his bad side, you're going to get traded in about three days, but until you are, yeah, you're in the fold. You know what I mean? So I think that that's an example of what's happening as far as predicting this series is concerned. Uh, as, as, as silly as it seems to, I think the Lakers are winning tonight. Yeah. But that puts Denver in a three, one. I like that for them. You, you know? know, now Denver apparently doesn't even start playing through a 3-1. But in this case, I can't. I just can't see them ripping off that many games. Yeah. Uh, AD had a weird game last game. I could see him coming mm. out on all cylinders. They still don't, you know, besides for, you know, they don't have an answer for him on defense. Uh, Plumlee, for some reasons, looked lost in this series. And Jokic isn't, you know, the body-up defender who can stay with AD. That being said, there's not a lot of players in the league that can stay with Jokic, yeah. and AD might be the only one. Like, I don't know if there's another big guy versatile enough to, to actually get out to Jokic on the perimeter and not get yoked <laughs> on, those, uh, on those drives every single time besides for AD. So I actually think it's a favorable matchup in that way for the Lakers. There are a lot of teams that I think – could have a lot more trouble with the Joker than they're going to. So I'm sticking with the Lake show. I think they're going to pull through, uh, but I could see the Nuggets having some theatrics again because, fuck, that team's fun. Yeah. Give me Lakers. Give me Heat. Give me LeBron versus Spo. Give me Pat Riley versus the Lakers. And give me Pat Riley taking a championship from the Lakers and from LeBron James. This league always lives on the drama. And my God, is there a better story than Pat Riley getting his revenge? And you know he's doing it in an Armani <laughs> suit. You know? Makes it just so much more gangster every time he does work. <laughs> Plenty of ways to get in contact with this show. If you want to tweet at us, uh, DM us, any way to get in contact, you can uh, get in contact with us at the TuneUp HQ on Twitter and Instagram. The TuneUp on Twitch. I promise you there's stuff coming that way. <laughs> I promise you. I promise you. Uh, if you want to get in touch with the big man, Benny is at Benny Horowitz1, number one in your mind, number one in your hearts, number one on Twitter. I'm at Denny underscore Gallagher. Benny, you got anything else? Yeah, well, first off, everybody love everybody. Secondly, if we learned anything from the Who's story, sometimes you got to sock your mouthy drummer, you know? <laughs> oh, Benny, this has been the tune-up. <laughs> Thank you so much for checking out the tune-up this week. If you want to support our show, support the people that support us. Let's hear one more time for the new Guardrail EP, Yikes, on Open Your Ears Records. 
They've got catchy melodies and witty hooks. Guardrail brings their own style of diet punk right to your stereo. They're not quite bad religion, but they're also not some 41. Here's a clip of their new single, Till We're Dead. And I've been playing that one on my fall playlist, whether you're going to a cidery, pumpkin picking, it is the perfect song for that long drive. If you like what you hear, you can go on over to OYERex.com. That's O-Y-E-R-E-C-S.com to pick up your copy. Guardrail, get the vinyl. Support hard copy music. Let's get this. Guardrail, yikes, out today, September 25th on Open Your Ears Records. Go grab it.